Tandem Nomads, episode 154. When it comes to the legal stuff in your business, don't let it stop you from taking action. If you just take reasonable steps and are aware that it's out there, the legal stuff can be dealt with and you can build the business that you really want and kind of the business of your dreams. Hello, Nomad Nation. Welcome to Tandem Nomads, the podcast show and entrepreneurship platform where you can find great inspiration and tips to grow a successful portable business and thrive in your global nomadic life. This is your host, Emel Deregi. I'm a business and marketing coach, and I'm excited to bring to you a very special guest today to talk about all legal stuff in your business. Bobby Klink. Bobby, are you ready for this ride? I am ready. I'm excited. This is going to be some fun stuff. Oh, yes. And thank you so much, Bobby, for being on this show. You've been so helpful for me to be able to run my business online and to cover all the legal bases as well as with my online courses. It's been really amazing to be able to have your support. So thank you. Well, it's been my pleasure. And by the way, I love that you refer to it as the legal stuff because <laughs> that's what I call it too. <laughs> That's perfect. So Nomad Nation, as you just heard, uh, Bobby Kling is a lawyer, but more than that, I would say he's a Harvard uh, graduated uh, lawyer. He turned um, online entrepreneur, but he's not your typical lawyer. Like I said, he speaks English, but not legalese. I love when you say that. He tells funny stories, makes fun of the lawyers and uses wacky photos and peppers in dad jokes, pop culture references and emojis. So that's the description that Bobby gave me of himself. And I love it. And he tells a lot about who he is and his personality on top of uh, what he can provide. And it's not usual to find a funny, a funny lawyer, I have to say. So, but more practically, Nomad Nation, uh, Bobby built a multi six-figure business selling legal templates to online entrepreneurs just like you. And in the process, he found his entrepreneurial superpowers, connecting with his fans and a deep at the deep level and write, writing addictive emails. So nowadays he helps online entrepreneurs build the badass businesses of their dreams, as he likes to say, and make sure that they're protected along the way. And this is exactly why Bobby's here to help you. And I'm very happy that you take the time here to share with us your wisdom with all the legal stuff. <laughs> well, so, I, I'm, I'm happy to be here. So, so I'm, I'm excited. I can't wait for all these questions. Yay. So Nomad Nation, you know how much I insist on the importance on doing your due diligence. And but I know one thing, it, we don't necessarily have all the funds at the beginning to hire the right lawyer to, and the lawyers tend to be very, very expensive. And despite of that, you cannot take the risk to not do your homework and know all the things you need to cover in your business to be able to build the right foundations. So Bobby's here to help us to know what are these things. So let's get started, Bobby. If you could tell me, what would be the main areas where you think online business owners should be diligent? Well, so I, I can't speak to kind of the the local um, reg, the local regulatory stuff that, of course, that, yeah. that your folks will have to deal with because that that really is something you have to figure out on your own. And if it makes you feel better, even us, you know, non expats who are in the U.S., we have to deal with it. Um, I was telling someone that recently that literally um, yesterday I was banging my head against the wall filing stuff with the DC I don't know some some group here in DC where I am because I've hired someone and that creates all kinds of issues but 
Other than that, really, I would say there are kind of two big areas that you need to be thinking about. The first one, well, I'll say three. The first one is your website. You need to make sure that your website has all of the necessary stuff. And, and other than the things that are going to be specific to where you are, really there's only one thing that is legally required for most of us, and that's to have a privacy policy on our website, but you also need some other things too. After the, the website, and I'll kind of start high level, and then you can tell me where you want me to talk specifically, mm -hmm. But other than your website, the next big thing is just generally get every agreement that matters to your business in writing. Uh, I made this mistake early on of, of relying on kind of handshake deals and, oh, we're friends, so it'll work out. Those are famous last words. Uh, if there is an agreement that matters to your business, it needs to be in writing. That way, there's no dispute later on. So that's kind of the second big area. And then the third big area is it's kind of a broad area that that's called intellectual property. And that's a fancy lawyer word for anything that you can own that, you, that isn't a piece of dirt, so it's not land, and it's not something you can hold or put your hands on. So ideas, um, copyrights, trademarks, those kinds of things that you need to know about. And the biggest thing with those is making sure that you're not stepping on someone else's rights, especially early on. Um, your, your big concern should be, I just want to make sure I'm not going to do something that's going to get me sued because if you get sued, you have to deal with lawyers and, and most of them aren't nearly as warm and fuzzy as me. Yes, for sure. I can tell that. <laughs> so, you know, Nomad Nation, just before we go deeper into these three areas that, uh, that Bobby just mentioned, um, I just want to highlight one thing. We're going to do this episode in two parts. We're going to do this episode 154. They're going to be focused on the general legal stuff, like we call it. And then we will focus the next episode on GDPR and privacy, because I think that one is a big one and needs a little bit of digging deeper into it. But the, before we go into describing these three areas, Bobby, um, I'd love you to explain a little bit why, where you think entrepreneurs, um, you know, how, how deep should an entrepreneur who just starts go into these? Yeah, and, and it's, a, it's a tough question, right? So um, with the legal stuff, and again, it, it depends on your own risk tolerance is kind of the answer. There are some people who are okay. It, it doesn't bother them if there's some risk in their business. Those people aren't, aren't going to go as deep. It's just a reality. Um, then there are people who are very nervous about risk and any risk is going to make them uneasy. And then I hear people literally say that they don't take action in their business because they're afraid. If that's you, you're going to probably want to go deeper so you understand it and can feel safe. But really, like I said, there are different levels of everything, right? You talked about you could hire a lawyer, but that's expensive. And that's right. I mean, you could always hire a lawyer to help you with a very specific thing, but that is expensive. And just to give you a sense, like I'm a lawyer, but I don't know how to do like wills. And so for my family, we got templates. <laughs> we used LegalZoom to create our wills because I wasn't about to pay some lawyer five to $10,000 to create a will for me from scratch. And so you kind of have to make the decision yourself. But really what's important is that you get to the point that it's what we lawyers call an issue spotter. 
So you can see that there's a potential issue that maybe you need to, whether it's go to Google and do some searching or go to a lawyer and get some help, but just kind of getting like a spidey sense. So when something happens, you say, there might be a legal thing there that I need to think about. Mm. And that is especially relevant in the intellectual property area. You need to kind of have a sense of knowing when do I need to go get some help. The, the other rule of like getting it in writing, again, like I said, you know, I have a simple rule for that. If it's an agreement, it matters to your business, write it down. <laughs> so, you know, there are levels of quality of written down, but just write it down. If you can't afford anything, at least just, you know, you and the other person, write it down and whether, you know, if you speak English, plain English, if you speak French, plain French, if you speak, you know, German, plain German, whatever it is, just get an agreement in writing so that people will like have you know, kind of a common understanding of what you agreed to. That's what I love about you, Bobby. You have such an amazing way to speak the language we understand. And you're not giving us like complicated jargon, but you also have a, a I would say an emotional EQ intelligence about something that you spotted. And I want to rephrase and tell me if I'm wrong. But for me, it's all about a, like kind of measuring your own sensors, Nomad Nation, between how much of a risk taker you are or not. And if you are a very high risk taker, you want to be be careful for sure and do your due due diligence. And if you're not, please don't use this as an excuse to not get started. Because this is something that I've seen so many people, especially in our world, global nomads, we have so many regulations that stop us from doing what we want to do, that we end up not doing anything. We need to learn to be comfortable with that risk, but also playing a little bit with the gray zones. And we'll talk a lot about gray zones that are not that clear. And finally, you said something that a lot of lawyers, not a lot of lawyers will tell you, just write it in paper, write your agreement in paper. At least you have a simple agreement, a trace of it. Yeah. Well, and so again, look, I'll be honest with you. There's a couple things. I have to give credit on recognizing the notion that sometimes the legal stops people from taking action to one of my friends, um, Tiffany Lee Bymaster. She was talking to me at some point and she expressed to me that it had stopped her for a long time uh, from maybe from growing. And so I finally got it because honestly, I thought for a long time that for most entrepreneurs, it was just they didn't even know there were legal issues. So entrepreneurs often fall into two camps. One, they haven't even thought about the legal issues at all until they come across me. And then the other ones are often people like you described who they're worried about it. And so whether consciously or subconsciously, they don't take action because they're like, the legal stuff scares me. And that's where I say, don't let that happen. And on the the kind of the last thing you said about putting it in paper, look, there are levels of good in anything and everything in life. And my point is simply that, you know, not starting a business because you can't afford a lawyer to to do like written out contracts. Well, that's just, I mean, that's kind of silly because <laughs> you're never going to be able to afford those contracts until you start the business and start making money. And really, and this is, I think, where I'm also different than a lot of lawyers and even the lawyers in our space um, who a lot of them try to make people believe that that the sky is falling and that if you don't do this, you know, your business is going to come crashing down. I'm going to say, look, realistically, the chances are that even if you didn't do any of the stuff that I say, there's a good chance you would be okay. Candidly. 
because disputes don't always happen. But it's kind of like insurance. It's kind of like, you know, maybe you should do this just so that you know that you're protected and you know uh, that you don't have something to worry about. So I guess I say that to say, look, if you can't afford to hire an attorney or to get a template to start with for something, just write it in paper and, you know, what's the worst that can happen? You lose a couple hundred bucks in a deal. That's not the end of the world, but at least you've started. Definitely. And Nomad Nation, I highly recommend you to check out Bobby's website with all his templates because they've been so helpful for me and I really recommend it because that's also a way to at least secure the minimum that can be securable uh, at the beginning. And we'll cover those um, in a second. You've seen a lot of online entrepreneurs and I remember reading and seeing you and hearing you many times say, I did, I'm doing this business of this template because I've seen too many people come to me when it was too late. Uh, but I want to know what are the most common mistakes you've seen online entrepreneurs make? Well, so the most common mistake, candidly, I see online entrepreneurs make isn't about anything I sell. It's about something that I teach people for free. Um, and that is they use someone's image without permission. Mm -hmm. they, they go, they're, they're looking for a picture to put on their website. And so they see something online that they like and they do what I call the right click save as problem because that's what you do on your mouse. Um, and the problem is every picture you see online, every picture anywhere is protected by copyright law. And if you do that, so if you go and, and just grab a picture you like somewhere and put it on your website, there is a good chance that what will happen is you're going to get this letter from someone saying, well, thank you for using my picture. Um, you didn't get a license. Here's what it'll cost. And they're demanding that you pay them money. And depending on who it is, it can be anywhere from $750 up to like $15,000 they're going to demand from you. And it's the the famous Getty image letter is what people say because Getty is this company that they sell images and they are very aggressive about protecting their rights. And so that's the biggest problem I see people run into. And it used to be literally every time I went on a podcast, the podcast host wanted to tell me about their horror story where they got that letter <laughs> that they had done something like that. So I say, don't do that. You've got to go and get images the right way. And even like in Google images, it's hard. There are ways to search and to limit it to where there, you can get ones that only you're allowed to use. But my suggestion is always go to one of the, the, the sites where you can reputably get images. Like I use Pixabay and Pexels and Unsplash. And if you want to buy it, there's things like Shutterstock. Sure. But use one of those websites where you're getting a licensed image. And the same thing applies for, for music, for video, for anything like that. You need to get licensed images. So that is the biggest mistake. And like I said, people think I'm crazy that I say the biggest mistake is something I'm not even going to charge you to fix, but that's who I am. Um, and then the other one, I've, I've kind of already talked about it. People go into deals on handshake deal. Mm. And oftentimes the rationale is, well, we're friends. And what I say is if it's friends, that's when it's even more important to have a written agreement because the last thing you want is for a business dispute to ruin a friendship. And that's what happens over and over again is um, people get into a situation and, and, you know, I had this situation come up to, you know, one of the cases that I remember early on, someone came to me, they wanted me to represent them because they had been sued. They, they had this guy who they were working with, but they said he was a consultant outside. And he said, no, no, I was an employee. I own some part of the company. I was a partner in the business. 
And so he sued them after they fired him saying he was a partner. And the problem is because they had no written agreement with him. It didn't mean they, they would necessarily lose, but it meant that they were going to have to spend a lot of money on lawyers to try to win. And oftentimes you end up in a spot where it's just ugly and, and you kind of end up in these disputes because you just didn't write things down at the beginning. And so that's why, again, that's why I'm a big proponent of, even if it's just you writing it down in paper, what the, the essential terms are of your agreement, you're going to be so much better off. Definitely. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I want to add something from my experience working with my clients. Uh, tell me what you think about this, but on top of like preventing financial loss by making sure that you do your diligence, I think there's a psychological also value of having a contract. For example, one of the challenges that uh, some of my clients have is when their clients cancel last minute or if they don't show up for, uh, for a, a, you know, an agreement that they had or that they ask some money back. So all of these by making, although it's very rare that it happens when we have a tight relationship with our, our clients, all of this, making somebody sign a paper is a way to make them commit to the rules you are also taking the time to think about when you enter a business with someone. Yes, and that's absolutely right. And so the problem is if you don't have the written agreement, what happens is this. And if you don't have a written agreement, chances are that there will be a dispute at some point. Now, maybe it doesn't get to the point of being like a, a we're mad at each other dispute, but what will happen is you and the other person will have a different memory of what you agreed to because we humans actually don't remember things as well as we think we do. We tend to remember things in a way that favors us. And so each side will tend to remember it. So let's talk about it in the, the you know, if you have a client, the client is going to remember the deal that you promised to do a lot more work and you're going to remember the deal that you promised to do a lot less work. We have no idea who's right. Correct. And both of you honestly believe that. And so then what's going to happen is say three months down the line, the client's going to say, well, you need to do this. And you're going to say, no, I didn't agree to do that. So one of two things happens there. Either it goes into a full-blown dispute where you go with lawyers. That probably doesn't happen. But what happens is ultimately one side or the other caves and then they, they feel like they caved and they feel like they're getting, you know, kind of taken advantage of. And so it destroys the relationship and you don't want that. Like you don't want to feel like, like that with a client. You don't want to feel mad and, and indignant about a, the way a client is treating you. And on the other hand, you, the last thing you want is for them to feel that way towards you. And so a, if you have a written contract that lays out what work you're going to do and maybe even what work you're not going to do, if, if there might be some doubt, it, it avoids that entirely because, you know, three months down the line when the client says, well, you're supposed to do this work and you say, no, we're not. Well, what do you do? You go look at the contract and see what does it say? Correct. And so it avoids that kind of potential hurt feelings in the first place. Exactly. So I hope we made our point here in Nomad Nation. If you have a business and if you've not done yet your homework, these are already some of the things you need to know why it's important to look at your legal stuff. I really like that term, your legal stuff. There's no better other way to say it. So let's talk about those legal stuff and let's maybe try to look at it into like a bit of a checklist. So let's say the first thing you said is everything related to the website. So yep. what are those checkpoints we have to go through? 
So, so generally, I, I, there are three policies you should have on your website. A privacy policy, which broadly speaking, tells people what information you collect, why you collect it, how you collect it, who you share it with, what you're going to do with it. And then also, and we're going to talk about this in the other episode, there are certain laws that require you to like basically give people and tell them what their rights are. And so like GDPR, which we're going to talk about in, in um, kind of the other episode is, is all about that. It, it tells you literally have to tell people what their rights are under that law. So that's what a privacy policy is. Um, and they can be kind of dense, but they're not legal. There's not a lot of legal language in those because they're really just about telling them from a technical standpoint, what you're doing and, and those kinds of things. Then you have your terms of use and your terms of use. What I like to say is think of this as kind of the basic rules of the road and agreement between you and website visitors. It is a big, hairy, ugly document. It has a bunch of the ugly legalese. And just so you know, I hate reading that stuff as much as you do. <laughs> I mean, because I've had to do it a lot more than you. Um, and when people ask me, what is that legalese? You know, why do we have to use that? Let me tell you where those kinds of big phrases. And, and if you haven't seen it yet, the classic example of a legalese, it'll be a sentence that is like 11 lines long. It has 57 commas in it, and it is very hard to read. The way those sentences came up and this legalese came is, is it started simple with people who write contracts. And then what happened is someone found a loophole and they sued and they won. So the contract writers say, aha, I'm going to put another clause in here to address that problem. And so they do. They close that loophole. But then someone finds another loophole and they sue again. <laughs> and so over time, that language is kind of adapted over and over again to close loopholes. So that's why it's good to have that in there because it protects you and avoids loopholes. So that's why I tell people, you know, the legalese nobody likes, but you should have it because it's kind of time tested. So your terms of use has a lot of that stuff in it, but it also does things like set your, like if you sell little products on your website, it sells, sets your background refund policy. Like, you know, if someone buys a $7 ebook, do they get a refund? Yes or no. Can they? And in under what circumstances? Um, it does things like that. And, and it has other random clauses um, in it. So Bobby, I just want to stop you here because I've, uh, I have to confess, I've never heard the term legal lease. So I know about three things on my website that you can find is the disclaimer, the terms and conditions, and the privacy. So which one are you talking about? Or is that a fourth one? <laughs> so no, the legal ease. Now you're scaring me. <laughs> is, no, no, no. You, you're good. You're good. It's in the terms of use. Okay. It's those big, like, so it's those big paragraphs that'll say like limitation of liability. And it's okay. it's all in caps. And it's these big, ugly sentences and paragraphs nobody wants to read. Oh. Legalese is just a term for basically the, the big, ugly legal language that, that you see in contracts and legal policies. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of that in your terms of use and also your disclaimer. So your disclaimer, so what I like to tell people is your disclaimer should be your favorite legal policy because it says you can't sue me because, and then it says a bunch of reasons why people can't sue you. Um, among other things, if you're, you're telling them that, hey, this website is information, but it is not a substitute for, uh, for professional advice or legal advice or whatever you, you know, whatever you might um, be confused with. And it also says, hey, I'm doing my best, but you are 100% responsible for your own actions. Even if you take 
this information, run with it. You can't get mad at me. And so that's what your disclaimer is. And it has some other things like tells people if you have affiliate links on your website and, and if you do like reviews, if you get paid for reviews. So it has all of those kinds of things in it, but it's really just saying you can't sue me because. So that's what I'm saying. You should love your disclaimer. It should be one of your favorite policies ever. <laughs> That's good. So in those three categories, I what I loved about your templates that I've used is that you also accompany them with video tutorials mm -hmm. that explain you how to adapt it to your situation. So nomination, I just want to tell you something. I know that some people are going on other people's websites and copying other people's disclaimers and stuff like that. What I know, I can see Bobby's already laughing <laughs> and you'll tell me your thoughts here. Don't do that. Don't do that because this is the worst thing you can do to yourself. And that's infringement, basically. So, uh, but it's not the only reason. It means that you're going to start copying things that do not fit to your own business. So there are templates out there that are really cheap. Uh, just invest so that you can have peace of mind that you have something that works for you. Yeah. Um, I was laughing because um, when the GDPR thing happened and I was on a bunch of podcasts about it, some people would hired me to actually, a bunch of people didn't ultimately hired me to, they didn't want my templates. They wanted me to do the actual policies for them. And so one of the people hired me and, and asked me to do a privacy policy. And then I noticed they had a terms of use on their website. I said, do you want me to review that? And I said, oh yeah, sure. So I start reading it and this was a home builder. Okay. A home builder in North America. And I start reading it and it says like, I've forgotten where, but some Scandinavian countries law applied. I was kind of confused by that. <laughs> and then it keeps referring to Spotify. I was like, what? <laughs> and as I read it, I realized that someone had literally just gone to the Spotify website, copied Spotify's terms of use and put it onto a home builder's website. I don't know who did that. But it makes absolutely no sense. And obviously, that's kind of a very exaggerated version of what could happen. But, you know, your, your, your legal documents, yes, they can start with templates, but they do need to actually be kind of tailored to your business. And so definitely don't just go and copy someone else. Very, very important. And also, I would say we have to do our disclaimer for this episode. We're giving you directions, but it's your responsibility to then do the diligence and make the decision for yourself for sure. But we're here to make it simple for you. So we talked about websites. Did we cover everything, Bobby, or do you want to add yeah, we co yeah, Yeah, broadly speaking, yeah. we covered websites. I mean, what you do is just so people ask me, okay, well, I have these policies, now what? You put each one of those on its own page on your website, and then you have the little links in the footer navigation bar. That's normally the only place you have it. Um, and, and you should tell people like when they're signing up for your list that you tell them that here's my privacy policy if you want to go look at it and, and know what I'm going to do with your information. Exactly. For oh, and that's one thing actually I should say. Let me, let me make this one little point. A lot of people, they will have, because they like the, to have this language uh, when they're collecting someone's email that says, you know, we respect your privacy, we, your, your information. We will not share it with anyone. Don't use that language. Because first of all, it's not true. You're sharing it with other people. You're sharing it with your, your email service provider. You, you know, so don't say that. But more importantly, if you say that, it might be that, you know, and again, we're probably not going to sell our companies to somebody else, but it could mean that we can't sell our companies and transfer our email list to someone else. So you don't want to do that. That's why you have to explain 
you know, we generally don't share this with anyone except our, you know, service providers who help us. And if we sell our business, we retain the right to do that. So you have to be careful in the way you word those things. That's very good. Well, thank you. Thank you for highlighting that. So let's go now to the second point, which were the agreements, right? Yep. Yep. So, and again, I like to say I could give you a checklist but it's kind of hard because the agreements you'll need will depend on your business. But the, the central theme that I want to keep coming back to is if there's an agreement, if there's a relationship and it's important to your business, get the agreement in writing. And what I mean by that is if it would really suck for you, if the other person didn't live up to their side of the bargain, get it in writing. Um, and so simple things like if you work one-on-one with clients, you need a client agreement. If you're a coach, you need a coaching agreement. If you sell an online course, you need a course agreement that your students agree to. If you have a membership, you need a membership agreement. And so all of those things are kind of in the category of, of customer agreements. So, you know, the agreement between you and your customers. Then you've got kind of the other things. Like if you hire contractors to work for you, that should be in writing too to address certain things, to transfer rights to you, just to make clear that they can't use your information except to help you. Um, and if you ultimately hire employees, you have to kind of go a step further. And, and that's something where you really do get more specific depending on where you are um, and, and, you know, what kind of country you're in will have some implications there. Um, beyond that, you have some agreements that have to do with like there's this idea that people don't understand that the, everybody generally has the right to control how their name, their image, and their likeness is used. And likeness is a word that basically, like you did, did a cartoon version of me or anything where someone looked at it and said, oh, well, that's Bobby. That would be my likeness. So all of that is generally protected. And I'm the only one who gets to, to say when that can be used commercially. So for example, you cannot just use the testimonial because someone says something nice about you. Chances that anyone's ever going to get mad at you for doing that? Next to none but just be careful about it. So you should get them to agree in writing that you can use it. And, and it's just kind of that simple, like thinking through those kinds of things that matter. Now, beyond that, as your business grows, like if you start using affiliates who are sending traffic your way and you're going to pay them some percentage of your revenue, you need an agreement with those people. Just exactly the same thing that explains you know, what they're entitled to, what they're not entitled to, and all of those things. So the best advice I can give you is just kind of think through all of the different people and relationships that you have and figure out, do you need a written agreement? And the answer is probably yes. All right. There's a, like a list of great examples of type of businesses that are for online entrepreneurs and people like you, Nomad Nation, who are growing a portable business. So you see how much Bobby knows about this world because you're really mentioning very good examples of what kind of things our audience is selling online. So uh, as I said, I'm talking about affiliate relationships, for example, we just talked, Bobby and I, about having an affiliate link where I will be sharing the affiliate link of Bobby's courses. So if you want to, to use the course and if you purchase it, then I'll have a cut. So we'll have to sign that legal agreement together. But I have also to tell you that it's an affiliate, li it's an affiliate link. And that's also important to mention, I, I guess, Bobby, right? When we do promote yeah, other it, people's. It, yeah. it is. 
Yeah, it is. So um, uh, here in the U- in the U.S., the, the Federal Trade Commission has rules that that require you to disclose if you are promoting. So if you have a financial interest in something you're promoting of someone else's, you have to do that. So, for example, I was an affiliate uh, for Amy Porterfield's uh, Digital Course Academy the last time she launched it. So I have to tell my people, hey, if you sign up through my link. You're not going to pay anymore, but I will get some kind of, um, you know, I will get a financial um, payment as a result. It's the same thing I mentioned before. If you were to, to be, do, like if you reviewed products and they were given to you for free or you got some kind of payment, you have to tell people that so that they understand um, that, that that's, you know, that that's there. The idea is people should be able to know and assess is are you promoting something because you like it or because you have a financial interest? And hopefully the answer is both. I mean, if you even if you have a financial interest, it should only be a product that you really like and believe in. But you have to give people that information so they That's know how to it. judge. What so we're doing. we're speaking real lifetime right now because we started the episode. Um, I love to be transparent with the audience. We started the episode. I jumped on the call with Bobby and we. I started talking about the great templates. And then in the middle of the conversation, I'm like, you know what? You might have an affiliate link. I should use your (laughs) affiliate link. And that's where I was like, okay, now I have to be transparent in saying I will use the affiliate link. So just to be completely transparent here about the process, how we've been through this, because I would have shared this no matter what. So it's just an example, uh, because I truly think that we need to have like, templates like yours, but also somebody behind it who understands the context like you do. Uh, So thank you for that. But before we end this episode, we have one more, the third category, if you want to say some words about it. Yeah. So it's intellectual property. And when you think about it, there's really four different areas. One is copyright. So that is every time you publish something, you have a right to it and no one else can use it without your permission. The same way, when other people publish things, you can't use it without their permission. That's kind of when I was talking about using someone's uh, picture you find online without permission, that'll get you in trouble with copyright law. Uh, The second area is trademarks, and trademarks uh, really have to do with uh, all things marketing. So it has to do with identifying the, the source of a good or a service. In other words, what company is behind it. And so when you think about it, names, logos, catchphrases, all those things are protected by trademark law. And I like to use Nike as an example because I can quickly give people all of them. Nike, the name is a trademarked name. The swoosh sign, that check mark is a trademarked logo and just do it is a trademarked um, Mm. expression. So they've kind of hit all three of them. And you can get protection for your business But again, what I tell people starting out is the most important thing is make sure that someone else doesn't already have Mm -hmm. trademark rights to the name you want to use because then, you know, six months from now when your business is booming, they hear about it and you're going to get one of those letters saying stop using the name and worse yet, if like you had a podcast, they might demand that you take it down and so you don't want to do that. So, uh, you want to be very careful about making sure that no one else already is using the name. And on that one, especially, I say, like, people will come to me with marginal, like where there's someone with a very similar name. And I just say, is it worth the risk? And I think most times the answer is no, because you could find another name that is just as good. So that's generally what I tell people there. 
then you have an area called trade secrets, which is basically confidentiality. Everywhere in the world has generally, with a few exceptions, you have the right to protect kind of your secret sauce. If you don't share it with people generally and you keep it, you know, you take steps to keep it confidential. So this is where like when you're working with a contractor, you need to have an agreement that they're not going to use your information except to serve your business. And so you do that to, to protect your trade secrets. And then the last area is, um, is what we already talked about, the right to publicity, which is why you have to get my permission before you use my testimonial or anything like that. So those are the big areas. And again, what, what I like to tell people is those areas you just need to have a spidey sense of saying, mm, maybe I should look at this more. Um, and that's why I kind of, I, I have a, a free training academy and you can actually get an affiliate link to that. It's free, so people can sign up for free, but um, we can get them a link to that where I go in depth about all those areas so you can really kind of get a better understanding of those different areas of the law um, and enough to be able to Fabulous. spot. So Nomad Nation, one thing I would like to insist, if you want to find all the resources we mentioned here and that Mobby's mentioning, you go to tandemnomads.com slash 140, uh, sorry, 154 tandemnomads.com slash 154. And we'll post all those links that are mentioned here. Before we end, I still want to insist on one thing because I know from my experience with my clients who start their businesses and look at their on name. I just want to summarize a bit the process here because it's a very expensive process if we do it completely the way big companies do it. <laughs> to be honest, we can't afford five <laughs> digits rights to protect the trademark, but yep. there's a way to do it. So the first thing that you said is do the research if it already exists, first of all, and don't play around with a name that already exists and try to find something similar. Because I know for a fact that even if it is similar, sometimes people can sue you for that. So be very careful and do your due diligence. And know to do that due diligence, first you have Google, Mr. Google. You go to goddaddy.com or Bluehost and check if that URL, for example, exists. But also in every single country, you have an institution that collects the data on all the trademarks that exist. So make sure that you look at your online business. What are the main countries where you're targeting your audience and look at those names if they already exist. That's I think very important. Um, but here's the thing, Bobby, I, I experienced this myself when I started Tandem Nomads. I did that. The URL was free. I checked on various databases if Tandem Nomads existed. It didn't, which was great. Um, but then comes the time where I was like, I need to protect it. But I realized that the cost is just insane. I just, it's like a five, six, five, six figure number to be able to cover all the, you know, geographically other areas I cover. Um, and I went into legal support and to asking what is the cheapest way I can protect myself. And the answer was to put a trademark on it and to have a trace of when is the first date you use this name. What would you say? That? Yeah, so you, so you can do that. Um, what I will tell you is you get trademark rights automatically by use and they're called, it's called common law trademark. And again, let me be very clear. For, for this, I'm speaking very specifically about US law. I don't know what the law mm -hmm. is in right. other countries. But here in the United States, you will get some rights as soon as you start using a name. But those rights are a bit limited. So, and it's not exactly clear how it works in the online space. In, in the old brick and mortar world, for example, if I opened a, you know, if I opened a, a brick and mortar store in my state, 
selling something using a, a trademark name, I would get rights to do that. And I would generally have the right to do that in my geographic area. The problem is, what is my geographic area? And it hasn't actually been addressed, to be honest with you, like here in the United States. It's not clear, like, is it every state that I've sold in? Is it every state where I've marketed and have someone on my list? We don't really know. So that's why when you can actually file to register your trademark, it is worth doing. And there are some options, like here in the US, I, I recommend a company called legally.co. I have no interest in them. Uh, they will file a trademark for you and you can get it done for less than $500 here in the United cool. States if it's a very simple process. If it's they file it and the trademark office grants it. And that's with government filing fees and everything. And so for a lot of the folks I talk to who are in the US, I say, just do that and you're pretty good. Um, and that will then protect you everywhere in the US. Then there are ways to, to, to get the protection in other countries if you've already gotten the rights here in the US. But um, I, I like to tell people, again, you can do that. But realistically, the bigger problem is you just don't want to be sued. <laughs> you know, And that's what I tell people. I mean, what are the chances that I would ever sue someone for using my trademark? Probably not very high. Because for the most part, if someone's using my trademark, you know, I mean, and, and they don't back down if I say, hey, I've got a trademark. It's probably because they're a fly-by-night company that doesn't have any money. So, I'm going to spend, what, tens of thousands of dollars to sue them to get nothing? I mean, that, it's not going to happen. And that's why I always like to tell people your bigger problem is you just want to be sure that there's no one else exactly. using it. And it's it's becoming a bigger and bigger issue, candidly, because there are people who like start using a name but it kind of like isn't obvious and you, you don't find it. Um, and, and I think it's going to become a bigger issue as more and more people are doing it. So do this search. And that's why I say like you, you mentioned going to the, going to the Googles as I say it, uh, go, don't just go and look at the first page. Mm. I like to tell people go at least 10 pages deep and go multiple pages before nothing similar is coming up before you feel good that, that it doesn't exist. Yeah. And, and if it's a podcast, Go onto the podcast sites and check that, um, and 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 just think through where you're going to use it and check all those places yeah. to make sure it's not. And don't used. do it like on the fly, please, Nomad Nation. Take the time to dig deep into this because mm -hmm. the the secret here, if you don't want to spend a lot of money, is to do the homework before you get into that point when it becomes complicated. Yep. So thank you yep. so much, Bobby. This was amazing. Nomad Nation, we're going to meet Bobby again in the next episode where we we'll talk specifically about protecting the data of the users of your website and your clients. And that's GDPR law, which is the EU, EU law about data privacy. So we'll cover that in the next episode. But before we, uh, we end this uh, episode, I invite you to go check all the information about Bobby on tandemnomads.com slash 154 and all the resources he mentioned before we end bobby is there anything you'd like to end this episode with any message well i mean i would go back to the thing i said at the beginning which is don't let don't let this stop you um as long as you take some reasonable action on the legal stuff the legal stuff should not be something that stops you from building your business um take reasonable steps protect yourself 
just start building the business already and, and you know, and you'll be in good Fabulous. Shape. Thank you so much for this important message and find all the information of Bobby in the show notes of this episode, tandemnomads.com slash 154, again, sorry. And Bobby, what is the, uh, the URL of your website for those who want to go directly there? It's just bobbyclink.com. I made it very simple so it's easy Fabulous. to find. So Nomad Nation, I hope you found a great inspiration, a lot of tips from Bobby here, and see you in the next episode. In the meantime, stay tuned to turn your challenges into great opportunities.